Today on Abounding Grace. Don't stop praying no matter what. Don't stop praying no matter what. If God gives you a no answer and it's definitive and clear, then you can move on to pray for the next thing. But don't stop praying. A closed door is just as much as an open door from the Lord. Don't stop praying. Don't stop seeking. Don't stop knocking. That's what Jesus taught us. Prayer is not a last resort. It's not when all hope is lost. Prayer is our very life. Why God waits sometimes, I'm not entirely sure. We won't know until it's revealed to us. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. Hey, thanks for dropping by. This is Abounding Grace, and we hope you can stay with us for the next half hour. We've got a great study lined up for you from 1 Kings 17. Now, to bring you up to speed, tragedy has struck the home of a dear widow. Her son has died, and we're told that Elijah stretched himself onto the child three times, praying to God. Well, the Lord heard and answered, and the boy would be raised to life. Pastor Ed Taylor has observed a few lessons from this miraculous story that we can apply to our prayer lives. The very God that just supplied all the flour and oil now is the God who took her son. And then Elijah, he responds, whoa, why would you bring this tragedy? And he accuses God of killing her son. And these are all emotional responses. And we have emotional responses. And the question in verse 20 in Elijah, the man of God, used mightily of God, the question, oh Lord my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow by killing her son? There, there, if you'd like to write in your Bibles, let me give you the question in one word. You ready? Why? It's a why question. Why? You know, not only have we lost the son, but now the widow's mad. It's an emotional home. It's, it's, it's in the height, in the, in the midst of the moment. And, of the, and, and Elijah's like, why? And isn't it true that there are so many things in our lives where we just cry out, why? So people will call the radio station. They'll send me an email. I just received an email today. Uh, that in, in the long email with all the words that were typed, I can summarize that whole email with a, with a young lady uh, that lost a child, I can summarize the whole email in one word. She was asking me why. I haven't answered it yet, but I can answer it now. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't have that answer. I'm sure that I can go through the scriptures and, and when you're ready, when you're ready, when it's time, when God is a, allows the appropriate time, I can give you the theological understanding of God for the matter. But even with the most well-crafted theological answer, that still doesn't satisfy the hurting soul. The only thing that satisfies the hurting soul is a true touch of the Lord in your life and the deep experience of the Father's love to you, daughter, and to you, son. 
to know that God hasn't forsaken you or abandoned you in your time of need, in your time of difficulty, no matter what it might be. In those times where our first response is, why, Lord? Why have you done this to me? Why have you allowed? Why did you let her leave me? Why would you let him do that? Why would you allow this situation? Why? I don't know. I have to say earlier on in in my ministry and serving the Lord, I used to attempt to answer that question rather foolishly. And anyone that's, anyone that's in a ministry or a church with a young pastor has to put up with the, ma- the growth and maturity of that young pastor, unfortunately. I'm not so young anymore. You still need to put up with my growth and maturity in many ways, but I'm not so young anymore. And through many mistakes and a few successes, I believe, or a few steps of obedience along the way, I've learned a lot more about the character and the nature of God. And I don't attempt to explain God to anyone anymore. I don't attempt to try to explain every situation and have an answer biblically for every situation. Truly, if I... If you're listening to my voice right now and that seems to be kind of like the church you're a part of or the people you're around, they don't know either. They don't know either. You're around people that seem to always have the right answer. They don't know the ways of God. God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And we would do well to submit and wait for the revelation. And while we're waiting, to pray. One commentator put it this way. I think it was John Corson. And I quote, The father says, you want me to take away the pain and to solve the problem and to get you out of the situation, but that's not what you need. You need me. And the very problem that you're seeking to get away from, the very situation you desire to get out of, is the very one that's causing you to talk to me and to spend time with me and to depend on me. You'll be stronger when you're weak because you'll have no other choice than to draw strength from me. And you'll do better when you're weak because you'll have to rely on me. And here's the widow and here's Elijah in a place of deep reliance. What does Elijah do? After he cries out to God with this question, he says, bring bring your kid to me. And then in verse, and, and then he stretches himself out in verse 21. And three times. This, by the way, is the first mention in the Bible of, of life coming back to a lifeless body. It is the first mention of restoration of life. And as God is using Elijah, he's also teaching Elijah how to trust him, how to hold fast to him, how to lean into him, how to love him, how how to wait on him. He's seeing God's power. The boy, a picture is an object lesson. And what's being burned into Elijah's mind is simply something like this. If God could raise a dead Gentile boy back to life in response to believing prayer, he could also revive the chosen people of Israel who would become spiritually dead. Now think about this. Think about this. If God can do the work of revival in a body and even in a nation, can he not do the work of revival in you and your family and the people of your life? Can he not save people that have been written off? Can he not provide the flour and the oil that you need? Can he not send someone to plead with you for three, three separate times just pleading with you? Like, of course he can. All these things that we're learning in the scriptures, these true stories, all these things are designed to build your faith and trust the God who sent his son Jesus, that you have more than Elijah had at the time. I have more. We have an abundance of deeper relationship. Why? Because the spirit of God lives in us. We're born again. The Bible says that we're involved in things that the prophets of old wanted to see. 
You get to see stuff that Elijah didn't even get to see. Now, of course, Elijah got some really cool things being up on the Mount Transfiguration. I mean, Elijah saw something that I'd want to see. I mean, he's seen a lot that I'd want to see. But man, you have seen things that he didn't see. And I, I want to I leave with an emphasis on prayer because I can't, we can't get beyond. I, I couldn't get beyond verse 21. He, he, he stretched himself out on the child three times. Three times. God didn't answer Elijah the first time. Consider that. God did not answer Elijah the first time. How do we know that? How do we know? Because he asked a second time. Why would he ask a second time if God answered the first? So God didn't answer the first time, and God didn't answer the second time. How do we know that? Because he asked a third time. Now, Elijah doesn't ask a fourth time. Elijah doesn't ask a fourth time. How do we know that? (laughs) Because the Bible says three times, and the boy's alive. Now, think about your own life. Some listening to me have given up after the first time. Because you've taken the answer no and or, or whatever you've perceived and you've just walked away. When God was wanting you to pray a second time and a third time. I want to give you some insights from how God sees your prayers. God does not live in time like you and I live in time. So we have to describe our prayer life one time two times, three times, because we go to sleep and we get caught up in work and we're not praying 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But from God's perspective, from God's perspective, that's all one prayer. For us, we've given it in a couple different times because that's how we live. And you'll continue to live. You're not ever going to get out of this until you're delivered from this body. We're going to pray and we're going to be able to mark it. I prayed this time. I've been praying for four years. I've been praying for four and a half years. I've been praying for five years, ten years. And we kind of measure in time. And yet God is receiving those prayers. And God is putting those prayers into a bowl. He's holding them. And they're beautiful. And God doesn't... Now, now, it, now, bringing it back into our everyday life, God doesn't always answer the first time we call, though many times he's planning to answer. But at other times, he answers, but there's a delay in our receiving the answer. And you go, what does that mean? Let me give you an example. Would you turn over to Daniel chapter 10? And this is where we'll wind down. God is developing in us an intimacy of relationship, a merciful intimacy of relationship through our prayer life. The lack in your intimacy and closeness and understanding of God is not just because of an ignorance of the scriptures, but it's also, and it very much well could be, because of your lack of intimacy and conversation with God. Can you imagine your closest, your closest relationships? What would happen if you just stopped talking? You just stopped talking. You stopped expressing your feelings. You stopped listening and hearing. They, they stopped talking to you. You stopped talking. What's going to happen to that relationship? You're, gonna, you're just going to, even if, you know, even if some of your mar- in your marriages, you've got to argue sometimes. Uh, it doesn't have to get crazy and throw things and nothing like that, but you've got to express yourself. And then you've got to patiently die to yourself after you've expressed yourself and say, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me for being so selfish or whatever it might be? but to just shut down. Some of you, your, te- your tool of punishing your friend or punishing your partner is shutting down. 
and you're just killing your relationship. You're shutting down by not communicating and you're killing your relationship. You think, oh, I'll hurt them. <laughs> yeah, and you'll hurt yourself too. You've got to talk, communicate, share your heart. Even, even if, even if they don't respond, you've got to keep talking. And if they won't talk with you, then you've got to talk to God about them. You've got to keep talking, expressing yourself. I know sometimes in relationships, especially in marriages, the other person, one person is silent, you know, doesn't want, and the other one kind of punishes, well, I'm not going to listen, you give you any time. It's all foolishness. You look, back over a, you look back over a long marriage, and you just think, how much time we wasted. We could have just solved it like that. Marriage, you know, we, we have made a mistake. This is for a different mes- message at a different time, but just for the sake of the Lord speaking a word of wisdom and word of knowledge to some We've been taught that marriage, the end goal of marriage is happiness. You could just write that. Go ahead and write that down. I'm giving it to you right now. The end, mar- end of marriage is happiness. I'm, I'm telling you that right now if you want to write it down in your notes. The end goal of marriage is happiness. Pastor Ed said so. I did. Now take a pen and then put a line through that. Because the end of marriage is not happiness. The end of marriage is Holiness. And the only way you'll get to holiness is learning how to die to yourself. That, you want to know why you married so-and-so? So you might learn how to die to yourself. Boy, that wasn't in my vows, man. <laughs> that is not what I thought marriage is. Yeah. And you know what singleness is for you singles? You wonder, man, he's talking about marriage again. What about, okay, I won't leave you out. Singleness. Purpose is Happiness. Go ahead and write that down. I'm single to be happy. Write it down. Pastor Ed said so. It's on the radio. I heard him. Take a pen and exit out. End goal of singleness is holiness. And the way that you get there is dying to yourself. God has you single right now. So you can learn how to die to yourself. Like, Ed, I don't like you right now. You don't really know me or you'd like me even less. (laughs) Daniel chapter 10. Then suddenly a hand touched me. Daniel 10.10. Then suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, Oh, Daniel, man, greatly beloved. Do you know what those words are? Those words are words of relationship. Daniel, I love you. You've been crying out to me at this point for 21 days. And you felt like you haven't gotten an answer. And you, you have been increasing. You've prayed one time, two times, three times, 21 days. Who knows how long that was. Daniel, I love you. Understand the words that I'm speaking to you and stand up. For I've been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling as this angel of the Lord comes and expresses the love of God to Daniel, tells him to get up, and he says, don't fear, verse 12, from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there from the kings of Persia. Now, this is a fascinating story. We don't have time to understand pack it or dig it, except to glean the overall lessons here when it comes to prayer. As soon as you start praying, God hears you. 
As soon as you start praying, God hears you. No matter when you experience the, the, no matter when you experience the answer, God hears you the moment that you start praying. Daniel's been praying for three weeks, and that's a long time to seek the Lord. Praying for three years, praying for what seems like three lifetimes. And this angel finally shows up and says, I was sent on day one, but there was resistance in me bringing you the answer. I had to get some help. And from God's perspective, and here's the essence. From God's perspective, the moment Daniel began to pray, the answer was immediate as far as God was concerned. The answer was immediate. God already knew what he was going to do in Daniel's life. God already knew what he was going to do in this widow's son's life. God already knew what he was going to do in Lazarus' life. And I like that phrase. I forgot where it was. I need to look it up. It's in John, one of our studies. But in one of the studies of all the hundred plus studies that we've done in the Gospel of John, a phrase just won't, I can't get rid of it. It's become, it's become burned in my mind and it's come up over and over again. And it's simply this, the Lord already knew what he was going to do. I love that. The Lord already knew what he was going to do. And I've got this little reminder here. Let me find it for you. I I have this little reminder that pops up every day at about 8 o'clock in the morning for me. Or 9, I don't know. I see it eventually. But I got this little reminder. You know, using these little tools, uh, an iPhone, if you use an iPhone, and no other phone works, only the iPhone works but these little reminders it says this look at this this is what i this is what i want the lord to tell me every morning i want to remember this this is exactly what i get reminded of 805 every day the father loves me and he'll show me what he's doing and he'll lead me guide me and help me because what did jesus do he always did what the father was doing and the father loves me he already knows what he's going to do and as i ask he's going to tell me what he's doing and let me be a part of it. That's what it reminds me of. This isn't my day. It isn't my ministry. It isn't my church. It isn't my life. The Father loves you. And he already knows what he's going to do. And he's going to lead you and guide you and help you if you'll just get along with what he's doing. He wants to show you what he's doing. He wants you to be in on what he's doing. He wants you to submit. He wants me to submit my agenda, my thoughts. The Father loves you. He already knows what he's going to do. And he wants to lead you and guide you. When Daniel prays, as far as God's concerned, the prayer was answered. And so don't stop praying no matter what. Don't stop praying no matter what. If God gives you a no answer and it's definitive and clear, then you can move on to pray for the next thing. But don't stop praying. A closed door is just as much as an open door from the Lord. Don't stop praying. Don't stop seeking. Don't stop knocking. That's what Jesus taught us. Prayer is not a last resort. It's not when all hope is lost. Prayer is our very life. Why God waits sometimes, I'm not entirely sure. We won't know until it's revealed to us. For sure, it's a time of testing of our faith and building it. I don't like my faith tested just as much as you don't like your faith tested. I want an answer now. I don't appreciate it when God waits, especially when I'm in trouble or when I'm hurting or when I I feel like there's a solution that needs to be worked out that God certainly can see it. I don't like it as each month goes by or each year goes by and God hasn't answered our prayers. 
I don't understand the ways of God, but God said we wouldn't. Jesus, he prayed three times for his cup to be removed. And what happened? He drank it. It was Paul that prayed three times for the thorn to be removed. And what happened? He endured it. And while they're waiting and while you're waiting and praying, you're submitting to the will of the Father. Pastor Chuck Smith once taught us, and I quote, God does not always answer the first time we pray. He does not always answer the third time we pray. As we've prayed, many times God, instead of doing what we asked, will give us really the strength, the endurance, the capacity, and the faith to live with a situation, seeing the, God, the hand of God in it and the work of God within it. Now, if you didn't write that all down, you can email me and I'll send it to you or I'll post it up on social media today and, or tomorrow or sometime in the future. The Lord knows. For this widow, she got her boy back. And the end result, I know that you're a man of God and he keeps his word. May that be your testimony as well. You're listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. He's been in 1 Kings 17 today. It's a message called, Keep Praying No Matter What. If you joined us late or would just like to hear this message again, drop by AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to take in a steady dose of God's Word is through the app and the podcast. They're both free. Just search for Ed Taylor. Pastor Ed, we learned today that it's important to be persistent in prayer. And in our story today, Elijah prayed three times, and then God answered. So can you think of a time in your life where you were persistent in prayer and God came through? I can, Larry. I can think of times where I've been persistent in prayer. I can think of not only times of God answering prayer, but also right now, in this moment, while I'm talking to you. I'm in persistent prayer, and God hasn't answered yet. I mean, let's be clear. Like, let's talk about this for a second. It's not like God hasn't answered yet. He has. He's, his answer is wait. His answer is trust me. His answer is what you're asking for, Ed, is the, the answer is wait, or even a no. I'm not sure right now. I guess it waits. a wait answer is no for now. Uh, so I am still in persistent, persistent prayer for sure. However, there have been times where I've just sought the Lord. I was on a walk the other night. I take these um, sunset walks uh, in the neighborhoods, you know, around where I live. I, I like to say hi to people and listen to Bible studies. I listen to Pastor Chuck Smith or my pastor, Skip Peitzig or someone, and uh, I'm walking the, the neighborhood. Just And then I'm prayer walking, so I'm sure some people are like, that dude's weird. He's talking and lifting up his hands, and, and I'm not weird, not like they think at least, like it's... It's me just seeking the Lord. And I was just doing it. I was just on a prayer walk with some persistent prayer, just asking the Lord, talking with the Lord, uh, listening to the Lord about some things in my own heart, my own life. And nothing changed. This is a different day. I got the same prayer request. So I'm persistent and I'm knocking and I'm seeking and I'm asking. And the Lord is faithful. And I receive his answer, yes, no, wait, not now, whatever it might be, because prayer draws me closer to him, and that's valuable to me. Prayer reminds me of his faithfulness, and that's important to me. And I want to give that to you as well. You may not see some massive answer like Elijah. I mean, you might, and I think you will in many areas, but sometimes you won't. 
in some of the areas you want the most. But you see, relationship is more than what we get. It's who we are in Christ. It's the friend we have in Jesus. It's our Heavenly Father loving and caring for us to comfort us in a very difficult situation. So hang in there. Continue to pray. Draw near to the Lord. He draws near to you. God bless you guys. That's very encouraging. Thanks for sharing. Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners. And when you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, we'll send you a copy of A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. You'll travel along the shepherd's path to the green pastures and cool, refreshing waters of Psalm 23. We appreciate the generosity of our listeners. It helps us provide the teaching of God's Word on stations all across the nation. Thank you for standing with us. Call 877-30-GRACE. And don't forget to request A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23 when you give $25 or more. That's 877-30-GRACE. Or go online to Co. And then be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from the book of 1 Kings. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.